Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Fans and welcome into the Wednesday, April the 17th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, draft visits are starting to finalize. We'll get you caught up on the latest buzz around some of the top prospects and their attachments to the Miami Dolphins. And we've got some on-field workouts happening, and they're actually using footballs this time. Players are drilling, we have some starting lineups to discuss, and the absence of a prominent veteran looms large at voluntary workouts. Plus, we'll look at the needs on the roster from a snap count standpoint. I'll explain my selection in the Locked On NFL Podcast Network mock draft and finish up with some more draft notes. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya Podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tuned in, Google Play. You guys know the drill. Leave a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. You got to check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have written content for you guys every single day, including two new pieces up there today. The other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and the Locked On NFL podcast, where you can find all week long the Locked On podcast NFL mock draft spectacular. It's fantastic. Go check it out if you haven't. I made my pick on Tuesday's show. We'll talk about that later on this podcast. We are very busy today. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. Voluntary workouts are underway in Miami as they got set on April 16th on Tuesday. And we had Brian Flores talk at the microphone, and we're going to speak about that first. He is still a very measured speaker in the way he presents himself and his case and his opinions and ideas. But I did notice a difference in the way he spoke. And Kevin Dern from yesterday's podcast, and once again, I do apologize, his piece on the defensive backs is now up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Sorry for the delay on that. But Kev texted me and noted the exact same thing, that Flores sounded a little bit more juiced up now that there's actual football going on because, remember, the program that was last week, or was it two weeks ago, they couldn't even use footballs. It was just stretching and light jogging. But now they are drilling football, and there really isn't a lot to take away from it. There was a video from the Dolphins' social media team that showed Bobby McCain working out on a back pedal and drive drill. Omar, oh, Omar Kelly, he had a picture of Ryan Fitzpatrick on his timeline mentioning his thickness, okay, and also another photo of Kenny Stills with the quote, or the caption, the best wide receiver out here. Y'all good with that? I mean, yeah, it could be a lot worse. Kenny Stills is a pretty good player, and I'm not sure he's better than Albert Wilson, so that's neither here nor there, but Brian Flores continues on during his availability, and he specifically mentioned the two things that I actually wrote about way back when this coaching search began in January, the teaching and the fundamentals. And sure enough, those were his two buzzwords on the day. The workouts themselves really didn't hold a ton of value, though a couple of stories did pique my interest, and we'll start here with the fact that there was no sign of safety Rashad Jones, former Pro Bowl safety, probably should have been All-Pro safety in 2012 and 2015, He chose to skip out the workouts and do his own regiment during the offseason program. And Brian Flores did address this in his media availability, mentioning the two have been in constant communication and they are, quote, in a good place, end quote. 
Now, I still think he's a tradable asset, and not as much for his play, though I do stand by my comments that his play has declined, he's not a great matchup safety and coverage, which is something you have to do in this defense, and on top of the Jets game quitting story, along with three consecutive shoulder injuries, I still think he can play a little bit, but it's more about that contract. Even if he plays well this year, that number is way too high in 2020 and in 2021. Now, if he plays like he did back in 2012 and 2015, that version of Rashad Jones, okay, I can deal with that. But do we think that happens? I tend not to. The next bullet point on my storylines list here is looking at the offensive line as they technically had starting groups out there, which is hilarious talking about starting groups in the month of April, but they talked about the offensive line and it went like this. Laramie Tunzel, Chris Reed, Daniel Kilgore, Jesse Davis at right guard, and Zach Sterup, your starting right tackle. Obviously, they're going to have to add more bodies to that group. For some reason, this scouting department and whoever is the one making this call they really seem to love Zach Stirrup, and he keeps getting cracks and chances at making the lineup being on the team last year. The 2016, or rather 2017 season finale against Buffalo, he, was, he wasn't even playable at that point. He got beat so bad. And then last year he played a little bit too, and it wasn't any better. I'm all for developing and teaching and getting these guys to come along, but at what point do you give up? I just wonder why they would put him out there and not go with Jesse Davis and try to get him acclimated to right tackle. I thought Chris Reed would be the right guard. He was at left guard. And maybe they want to stick with Jesse Davis, the only guy that started all 16 games for the Dolphins last year at right guard. So that's the way it lines up. They're going to have to draft some more guys into this position. We'll talk about that later in this podcast as well. The last storyline I have here, Devon Godshaw spoke to reporters. He talked about playing any position on the defensive line. I'm good playing nose tackle, three technique, one technique, whatever you want me to play. And again, this was a perfect practice in lip service, coaches speak, and on and on and on. But he talked about playing the nose. And as one comment to me that stood out was him mentioning the amount of running they did compared to last year's camp or offseason workout and that they will, quote, be the best conditioned team in the league this year, end quote. Again, lip service, but coming from a guy that was here under Adam Gase, he obviously notices a difference in the way practices are ran, and that, to me, is notable. That's about it. They'll run around again tomorrow, which is today, technically. But before we change gears here into segment two, let's cover some draft notes just really quickly here on the podcast. Up first... The Dolphins hosted right tackle from Florida, Jawan Taylor, on a 30 visit. That is now his third visit with this team, the private visit, rather. Of course, back at the Combine, it was a big story. It was a big story at his pro day, and now the Dolphins host him for a 30-player visit leading up to the draft. I think this could possibly be the guy they want to go with if he makes it there. I don't think he will. We'll talk more about that in the mock draft segment coming up. In the third segment here, the Dolphins also hosted Daniel Jones, the Duke quarterback, for one of those 30 visits. And I know that makes everybody want to commit Harikari, but you just hope they don't go in that direction. The draft buzz right now says that Daniel Jones is going in the top 10. I can't fathom that. I've talked about it many, many times in the podcast. I don't think he's a draftable player. If he goes in the top 10, that's great for us. It pushes one more guy back into the spot at 13. And while we're on the quarterbacks, I know, Travis, quit talking about Kyler Murray, but I got to get this one last mention in. Daniel Jeremiah tweeted out that on April 1st, it was 90% sure that Kyler Murray was going to the Cardinals. And now 60% sure he's going to the Cardinals with that first pick. And the reason for that was because he was taking visits with teams after his Arizona Cardinals visit. And you'll recall last year, Baker made Mayfield wouldn't go to the Chargers. He didn't. He knew he wasn't going to go there, so he refused the visit. And Sam Darnold wouldn't go to the Buffalo Bills for the same reason. 
So why is Kyler Murray taking the Washington Redskins visit, which we later found out he turned that down. So to me, it sounds like Murray will go first off the board. We've known that for a long time, but it's worth mentioning here on a podcast we do every single day because the NFL, it never stops, baby. Neither do these Miami Dolphins. Neither does the draft season. We're going to get into more of that as well as look at the Dolphins team needs based upon snap counts, which I haven't really seen anybody do. We'll do that next. Locked on Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find me on Twitter, at NFL and the show, at Locked On Fins. If you are tired of me talking about the Patriots model and the way it's probably going to migrate down to South Florida, with Brian Flores and the other coaches and players from the Patriots that came down this offseason. You can go ahead and fast forward to the third segment because I'm talking about a piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now, written by yours truly, that looks into the snap counts used by the Patriots over the last couple of years and trying to figure out where the team needs this Dolphins team really has to focus on this year, next year, before they can be competitive again in the win column, in the playoffs, and hopefully beyond that. But again, on LockedOnDolphins.com, using snap counts to decipher the Miami Dolphins' biggest needs. That's written by me. We've got Kevin Dern's piece up there live right now as well, taking a look at the defensive backs the Dolphins could draft. We're going to get you guys covered on all the offseason program workout stuff up there on LOD.com as well. As always, it is your daily go-to source for all your daily Dolphins content that you require in your life. I'm glad to provide it for you. Let's go ahead and jump into this article right now. And basically, the concept I'm looking at is this, this disconnect between fans and myself or people that also perpetuate this idea. The Dolphins need safeties on this team because the way the game has changed isn't maybe as common knowledge as I thought that it was in terms of players and the teams being more oriented towards a style that uses rotation and gets a lot of guys onto the field, both on offense and defense, because the days of Ricky Williams getting the football, I looked this up 872 times over a two-year span. That is ancient in the NFL. And for now, there's basically a few positions where guys play every snap. Of course, your quarterback, you hope. Your offensive line, you hope there as well. The linebacker, you have one, maybe two on a team that will play every snap. Your safeties and your corners tend to be guys that play every snap as well. So you have those premier positions. The edge rusher is a premier position, but that snap count percentage usually tops out around 80%. So looking at these positions and how the Dolphins will hopefully, or maybe we can assume, will utilize these positions going forward with this new coaching staff with a heavy, heavy New England Patriots influence, which is impossible to deny at this point. We start at the quarterback. There's nothing to talk about here other than the fact that they're going to play 100% unless they get injured. That's the hope anyway. But I did make a note on there with a tweet embedded in the car in the column looking at the quarterbacks that were drafted outside of the first round over the last 10 years and it comes down to this you got Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Russell Wilson, Nick Foles, Kirk Cousins, Colin Kaepernick, Andy Dalton, and Tyrod Taylor. Those are the non-first round quarterbacks to start multiple opening days and I counted 2019 opening day for Garoppolo because I think he belongs in that group. But also looking at quarterbacks that were drafted outside of round one the last three years, the list is even worse. You got about 15, 18 guys in that list, and really only two or three of them are worthwhile even having on your roster, unless you want to count guys like, I don't know, if you think that Mason Rudolph might get a chance, or Joshua Dobbs might get a chance down the line. I don't think it's going to happen. You can still hold out hope. The idea is that if you take a quarterback in that portion of the draft, 
you're really probably wasting the pick, whereas you can put that pick to use at another position that can play special teams, that can get into the rotation, and give you some actual snaps opposed to being a guy that plays practice squad quarterback for you throughout the week of practice. So that's the quarterback. We go to running backs. James White led the way with 54%. Sony Michelle, 29%. Rex Burkhead, 13%. And then James Devlin at fullback had 36%. So right now, Miami basically has Kenyon Drake and Kalen Blage for the James White and Sony Michelle role. They need somebody to play that Rex Burkhead role. And if they want to do two backs, they definitely need somebody to play that James Devlin role at wide receiver. They pretty much want to run the same three guys as their primary receivers. At least they did last year with Edelman, Gordon, and Chris Hogan. It just, the difference there was that some of those guys weren't healthy throughout the course of the season, but the Dolphins are pretty much in line to be able to do this with Kenny Stills, who has been an 80% plus player over the course of the last three years. Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant are itching for expanded roles. They deserve it. I hope they get it. You factor in Devontae Parker and Bryce Butler, and I just don't think there's really much of a need for a receiver outside of maybe the third day, late day three, undrafted free agents. You could argue they do need a top line receiver, which I would not say you're wrong in saying that, I just don't think it's going to be a priority, especially not with this new regime, with this new program, and especially not with the makeup of the roster as it is right now. We go forward to the tight end position. And again, this one's weird because Gronkowski's so damn good. He played 75% of the snaps last year, despite having some injuries as well. Dwayne Allen was 33%. And I think they'll probably want to keep Allen in that same range. Maybe give him a bump up to like 40, 45, 50% of the snaps. But I do believe that Mike Kosicki's the guy. They're going to want to give every opportunity to play that 60 to 70% snap taking role while trying to do things around him to make him as successful as they possibly can as that detach, as that move, as that F tight end, as they are called. On the offensive line, really not much to look at here. You basically have five guys that you hope can play the entire season. I'll leave that for the article. Defensive end, and this is where it starts to get really interesting to me because you have Trey Flowers who led the way at 70% of the snaps. Dietrich Wise played 41%. Adrian Claiborne, 30%. John Simon and Keontae Davis both played 18% each, respectively. That's it. Their top snap taker was 70%. Their second was 41%. So I look at this group of Charles Harris, Tank Carradine, Jonathan Woodard, and I say, well, maybe they're equipped well enough to play in those 30 and 40% roles. Now, you do want to get better, obviously, but the point is you're not going to have to have a Cameron Wake, a Robert Quinn, a William Hayes on the field all the time because... Frankly, these positions are devalued based on the scheme and the limited amount of snaps these guys play. Now, you do want to have a guy that can play inside-outside like Flowers or like Michael Bennett will do for them now, like I guess William Hayes would have done for the Dolphins. They don't really have that. Maybe they can find it in the draft, but that's the spot they're going to need to go after, that 70% inside-outside guy. The rest of it, I guess, develop and try to go from there. At defensive tackle, it's kind of the same story. Four players that play basically the same amount of snaps. It's only 50% for the top and 31% for the fourth snap taker. Danny Shelton at 31%. Adam Butler was 36. Malcolm Brown, 43. And Lawrence Guy, 50%. So the idea, the point behind that is that these guys also don't play that much football. They're going to play half of your snaps at best. Though I do think Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor are an excellent start to starting off your top two guys in that rotation there and probably give them a bump in playing time just because the guys behind them are not as good. But you hope you can get some development out of Jamie Pittman, out of Joey Mabu, 
out of Kendrick Norton, and I do apologize for butchering that pronunciation on MBU. I'm still not quite sure yet, but the idea is that the Dolphins maybe don't have to go into this well until later on in the draft because at linebacker, and this is a big reason for this, these guys will play more snaps in the scheme acting as quasi-defensive ends, and this is where you might look to a Justin Hollins or maybe a Chase Winovich to play this type of role on your defense. Kyle Van Noy played 91%. Dante Hightower was injured, otherwise he probably plays 100%. He was at 74. Elandon Roberts, 41%. And Jawan Bentley, the rookie, started off very strong, but got hurt and wound up only playing three games for 13% of the snaps. And John Simon, the defensive end, he played some linebacker as well. But this just goes to show you that these linebackers like Raekwon McMillan and like Jerome Baker are going to play a lot of football and their job is really more important than the guys up front. Although I will say it is a complimentary job because the guys up front have to eat blockers and stay true to their gaps to free up these linebackers. But that's going to be the role. Rotate guys out in the middle, get them to stack up bodies and let Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker feast back there. The two young players I am most excited about on this defense. Guys that haven't blossomed yet like Xavier Howard, obviously. These are the two guys I'm most excited to see because I think they have a lot of potential in them and they could uncrack it as soon as this year. And then Kiko Alonso rounds out the rest of that group right now, I suppose, as the number three linebacker and they'll search for his replacement probably in 2020. At cornerback, this position, again, a very crucial one in this defense. 97% for Stephon Gilmore, 80% for Jason McCourty, 49, 38, and 13% for the next three guys. Now, the Dolphins are pretty well set here with Xavier Howard taking on that Stephon Gilmore role. I think Jason McCourty job probably goes to Eric Rowe at least until he gets hurt and you have guys battling behind him in Jalen Davis, Cornell Armstrong, Cordray Tankersley and Torrey McTire and I contend that Miami, I talked about it with Kevin Dern, they might just pass at least towards the end of the draft on cornerback and let these guys sort things out because you have the luxury of not having a timeline in terms of having to win games right away. You can kind of wait and push things back and see how far these guys come and develop and address other positions there. And then we move on to the crux of this entire argument, the safety position where the Patriots had three guys play 61% or more of the snaps. If you're keeping score at home, that's three safeties that played more than every defensive lineman on the Patriots team besides Trey Flowers. Devin McCourty played 96, Patrick Chung 85, and Deron Harmon, the third safety, Deron Harmon, played 61% of the snaps, more than half of the Patriots snaps. That's where Minka Fitzpatrick comes in, that Devin McCourty role. I think Patrick Chung for now is going to be Rashad Jones, though I think they'll look to replace him sooner rather than later. And then TJ McDonald, for my money, does not fit at all. So I think going into this class, you're probably going to look to get that Deron Harmon role to fill out TJ McDonald's spot on the depth chart and roll with Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, and a third safety you draft to play that center field, single high, middle of the field safety position that Deron Harmon played there for the Patriots. So check out that article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Let me know what you guys think as far as what it tells you about the team needs. I think if you can read it and go back and check over it, because I kind of flew through it here on the podcast, it'll be more valuable to you that way. And next on the podcast, we're going to come back and talk about the Locked On NFL mock draft, the schedule coming out, and talk about Dexter Lawrence, the prospect of the day here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, Locked On Podcast Network, at Winkle NFL, at Locked On Fins. The schedule comes out later today 
based upon when you're listening to this podcast. And we are going to have a special show talking about Miami's 2019 schedule on tomorrow's show, the Thursday show. As you'll recall, Locked On Dolphins broke the 2018 schedule at 5 p.m. Eastern last year. That's a whole three hours before the rest of the chumps out there get it for you. I talk a little bit in jest, but for for real, we are on track for a similar timeline tomorrow. So that should be good to go on my Twitter, at NFL, LockedOnDolphins.com. I'll have you guys up to date on all that stuff. And you guys might ask yourselves, how the hell are you going to talk about a schedule for a half-hour program? Well, there are specific things you look at. The short weeks, teams coming off of tough games against divisional opponents or overlooking you by weeks of their own. Scheduled losses like the Dolphins having to go to Baltimore on a Thursday night. We'll break down whether or not the NFL did Miami any favors with the order of the 16 games and the bye week. That's on tomorrow's show. As for today's show and the Locked On Podcast Network's NFL mock draft, my selection was announced on Tuesday's show yesterday. It's part of a five-part series, one hour per show. It's fantastic. I, I stand by it fully, even though I don't agree with some of the picks and the decisions made, the production, the the. Just the idea of the whole thing was fantastically put together by David Locke and company. Check it out. My pick was aired at the end of the Tuesday show, right around the 51-minute mark. But check out the entire thing, like I mentioned. It's basically recorded like a live draft broadcast with the main desk, analyst desks, positional experts, team experts, college experts. It's very well done, except for one part, and that has to do with the other hosts and their strange trade demands because I offered the Bucks to go up to number five to get Kyler Murray. I offered the 13th pick in the draft this year and next year's first round draft pick was told no. And then before I can make a counter offer to give him next year's third round pick too, he went and took this year's 11th pick from the Bengals, this year's second round pick and next year's third round pick. So he basically traded a first round pick for a second round pick and didn't get the best out of his deal. So that one really, really irritated me. And that's why you probably can tell on the show that I'm irritated talking about Dwayne Haskins, who I selected with the 13th pick in the draft. No offensive lineman went in the top 13. I think that the court... Kyler Murray was the only quarterback that went that high, so I felt compelled to take Dwayne Haskins just for some realistic ability, but also giving the Dolphins a chance to have, I guess, two cracks at the quarterback position going forward. You can hear Mark Schofield's breakdown of the pick, but that's where I landed. That's where I wound up with Dwayne Haskins. Wasn't thrilled about it, but I suppose it's not the worst pick in the world. Let's go ahead and change gears here and talk about today's prospect of the day. He is Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. The Move the Sticks podcast. You guys know how much I love those guys, especially Daniel Jeremiah. Before he got promoted to the top draft honcho there on NFL Network, they do have the 360 episode talking about the Clemson defensive lineman on the Move the Sticks podcast. That's Cleland Furl, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, and Austin Bryant. Check out that episode of Move the Sticks. But he talked about, I think it was on Monday's show, the highest floor for certain players at each position. And he thinks that Dexter Lawrence has the highest floor because he knows this. You can plug him into the middle of your defense and he's not going to get moved. People are not going to move him off the ball at 340 pounds. And the Patriots had guys like that. The Dolphins do not have guys like that. He is at least a two down player that maybe can add some pass rush prowess to his game as he matures and gets older. And we always talk about complementary parts, right? That's the buzzword in today's football, today's NFL landscape, complementary football. Well, I cannot think of a better piece to help free up 
Raekwon McMillan, my breakout candidate for this season, than Dexter Lawrence to get McMillan doing the things that he does best, attacking between the tackles and flowing downhill and making life hell for fullbacks and running backs and, and tight ends coming back across split zone. I'm excited about that potential. If you put Dexter Lawrence in front of him, that could be even better for number 52, the Dolphins' third-year linebacker out of Ohio State. And just thinking about this possibility and how I'm going to have to sacrifice on the offensive line or at safety or defensive line, there are just so many players in that 20 to 60 range that I love and I want them all, but I know I can't have them all. But it's so hard to stay in one place because I look at this draft as an opportunity to solidify the secondary forever, basically, for the next four, five, six years. I look at this draft as an opportunity to finally shore up the offensive line and maybe get two starters with the first two picks. I look at this draft as an opportunity to get the defensive line up to snuff and really get this defense complete on three levels of its defense, defensive line, linebacker, and safety. That's why I just think the Dolphins have to really, really focus on trading back and getting more picks. Do it multiple times because I want two more picks on the first two days than what Miami has right now. That would make me very, very happy. And we are going to finalize the draft preview stuff on the show. I think probably from tomorrow's podcast through the rest of the draft process, we have just one week to go starting tomorrow from now until Thursday. But as for today's show, guys, that is going to do it for me. Again, we have tons of content up on LockedOnDolphins.com. If you guys have a smart speaker, you can ask your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast and pull it up right away without any hesitation to get your daily dose of Miami Dolphins. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast and on the new Himalaya Podcast app. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a special schedule release edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose from Miami Dolphins football. Little blank one eighty two for you guys.